stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's Director of Research, Shiraz Mian, to discuss our favorite topic, the oil markets, and what's going on with the energy stocks. Now, one of the first shows I ever did on the Market Edge podcast was the energy show with Shiraz, and it was in December 2015. Oh, man. <laughs> it's hard to think back that far. That's how long we've been talking about the plunging oil, the plunging stocks, should you buy them. The title of that show was called Which Oil Stocks Are the Best Bet for Your Portfolio? And then we kept going every six months. We would do an update or so because oil did stop plunging finally, and then it started to turn around. There were a lot of opportunities, it seemed like, in the energy stocks, and then it's just been up and down ever since, and now we're back to the energy stocks are plunging again. Sure. Some of them aren't as low as back, back during yeah. the first plunge down, but they're hitting a lot of them, especially the EMPs, are hitting 52-week lows again. So I think this is a good time to take sure. a look again and, and to discuss kind of what's happening in the oil patch because a lot of our theories from three years ago now have – they kind of came true and now they've they've been blown out of the water, I feel, by what's happening in the Permian now. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Is it just me, Shiraz? But it, I feel like the whole um, oil situation is completely changing. Nobody's really paying attention we still have uh, the president of the United States, you know, tweeting out against OPEC. How dare they, you know, because they just had a meeting and they decided to cut again, cut production. But the energy market doesn't care for the first time that I can remember OPEC's cutting and the WTI is still declining. That's right. And that never would have happened before. Never. They pretty much, whatever levers they could pull, would control the price. That's right. So what does it mean now that we may have an oil market where OPEC doesn't have that's the right. levers? I think that's the big change on the energy side of the equation over the last many years. Uh, the emergence of U.S. Uh, with with a particular focus on Permian as like really the swing factor in global oil markets. And that's the reason why OPEC isn't as effective now as it historically has been. I think they realize it too. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it's not the Saudis anymore. It's the producers out of, uh, of Permian. Right. Uh, that are really driving the long-term outlook for oil prices. And the market appreciates that. Uh, I believe OPEC and Russia appreciate that as well. And uh, uh, that's one of the, the major reasons for the ineffectiveness uh, of the Abu Dhabi meeting. And it's more talk at this stage. There's nothing substantive on the ground in terms of cuts. Uh but that's one contributing factor to that. Okay. Yeah, because we've talked in the past about like the cycle and it it does appear like the cycle is no longer the cycle. <laughs> yeah, it, it isn't. I think that's 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 a fair comment. Uh the uh the focus uh in the energy uh discussion whether it's about stocks or whether it's about the underlying commodity 
uh, typically is centered around the supply side of the equation. And uh, that's what we are talking about when we are discussing OPEC supply cut or more production out of uh, Permian or sanctions on Iran and its impact. Uh, but an even bigger variable uh, is the demand side of the equation. And there are legitimate fears in the market that perhaps the demand side of the equation uh, should not be taken for granted. Uh, we should not assume that the uh, uh, that the uh, the global economy, which the operating narrative over the last couple of years was this synchronized global growth. Uh, then, from earlier this year, there was this thing that perhaps it has started slowing a little bit, but everything is still okay. Uh, and there are legitimate fears now that perhaps everything is not okay and uh, and the outlook for key emerging markets and also some developed markets uh, may be a lot weaker than everybody is factoring in. Uh, and we are talking about markets outside of the U.S. The outlook for the U.S. economy is still as good as it has been in the recent past, but the outlook for other markets isn't as strong. Is this a lot of the fears that we're seeing about a Chinese slowdown like yes. or an actual recession? Is that really what's driving yes. this plunge in WTI? Yes. So uh, so China obviously uh, has emerged as a big component of global economic growth. Uh, Chinese economic growth is a lot more energy intensive than growth, for example, in Europe, Japan, or the broader OECD markets. And all these uh, currency fluctuations and interest rate fluctuations that we have been hearing about and reading about uh, in Turkey, Brazil, Argentina, South Africa, Indonesia, India, uh, there is a there is a fear that all of that financial volatility will feed into underlying economic growth uh, in those regions. Uh, and uh, uh, oil, at the end of the day, uh, is a very economically sensitive commodity. All the growth uh, in energy uh, demand and consumption uh, has been coming from these major emerging markets. And if there are questions about those markets, uh, then it, that adds uh, a big element of uncertainty, negative uncertainty at that, uh, to, to prices. Could we see um, a replay of some of the strategy we saw in 2015 and 2016 by OPEC and the Saudis to um, take out some of their Permian competitors? Like, I know we've discussed in the past about if they could get crude low enough, they could withstand the low price, but there were going to be a lot of the U.S. drillers who had a lot of debt, who maybe couldn't on their balance sheets withstand the low price. They would get them out of the game and then, you know, they could um, resume their position. But that didn't really happen. That didn't really work that way in 2015, 2016. While we saw some energy companies did go under um, because of the stress of the low oil prices then, but it wasn't 
what everybody thought it was going to be. People were literally tweeting at me <laughs> that, you know, Exxon's going to go under and all of this stuff. And none of that ever came to pass. And it seems to me like the U.S. producers got even more efficient when the price went plunged down sure. and and they have survived um, so could we see that kind of, they try that strategy again, or is that done now? And they're like, eh, it didn't work the first time. And it certainly probably isn't going to work a second time. So we're not even going to try to get rid of them as competitors. Uh, I, I'm very skeptical, uh, that, that they will be, uh, deliberately following that strategy, uh, for, for, for one one key reason being that the industry as a whole is in a lot better financial health now right. than it was back in 2015. And in 2015, there was a lot of pain in the industry. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stress in the high-yield debt market, too. Many companies went under. I, I never seriously right. thought uh, Exxon no. uh, was ever <laughs> in doubt. Um, but Many smaller companies yeah. were forced to sell assets. Uh, many private equity firms came in and bought assets. Uh, so uh, one defining feature of this cycle uh, has been the discipline that energy companies have been showing uh, in their spending plans. And uh, just before the new phase of uh, fear and uncertainty gripped the industry, uh, even when everything was milk and honey uh, yeah. for these players. Uh, they were not going crazy with capital expenditure plans for 2019. So uh, in the Q2 earnings results, in the Q3 earnings results, uh, uh, to the extent that management shared spending plans for 2019, uh, they were all still very disciplined, uh, and everybody uh, was talking of returns, talking about cash flows, free cash flows, uh, paying dividends, raising dividends, buying back shares, paying down debt. Uh, so we don't have that wildcatting uh, type of legacy mindset as we typically associate with with uh, with Permian, uh, it's a lot more corporate banker type of mindset. So financial health being a lot stronger. Uh, if OPEC tries to uh, inflict pain on U.S. energy, uh, I suspect they would have to bear a lot of the pain themselves too. Right. Uh, because uh, many of these countries. Uh, depend substantially on oil revenues uh, for, uh, for for supporting uh, their budgets. What do you think of M&A happening in the U.S. among those, you know, energy companies? There wasn't that much the last time, but now the stocks have come, come down quite a bit again. I, I would think that some might be looking around thinking they could pick up a couple deals here. I think uh, in relative terms, uh, and a lot of these are smaller, so they don't really make the, the, the headlines as the, the the tech industries, SAP, and all those kind of deals. Uh, but a lot of smaller deals have been happening uh, in the Permian and also in the other basins. Uh, and uh, I would expect that to continue. I think that's 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 a, that's a good uh, good observation. Uh, the 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 pace of deal announcements in 18 is higher than what it was in 17 
Uh, and I would expect that to continue, uh, particularly after this recent pullback uh, with a lot of these uh, stocks uh, yeah. quite cheap. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the possible uh, Saudi Aramco IPO? Do you think they're ever going to do it? Uh, it's... It's, it's tied to this broader liberalization of that country. Uh, it's, it's, it's obviously not a, not a very transparent nation, so uh, it, it's hard to tell, uh, though I'm skeptical uh, to the, the extent of uh, market oversight and control uh, that the kingdom will need to give uh, uh, if if they go that route, uh, it's it's not it's not easy for these governments uh, to, uh, to to learn to be transparent and sharing, uh, and um, um, and and that's that's my reason that I'm skeptical that it's more more of a uh, of something that the uh, the uh, the crown prince and the uh, emerging administration and. In, uh, in the Saudis have been dangling in front of bankers and the financial markets uh, as a whole uh, than a real possibility uh, and uh, what good that potentially will produce for the kingdom itself. Okay. Now, as we were talking, crude is still on the decline and it's been down 11 straight days, which is an all-time record from 1983 when they started the oh, Commodities wow. Index, apparently. There's been a lot of ups and downs since 1983, so this is pretty severe. But uh, it's trading under 60 now, around $57 when we recorded this podcast. What should investors be thinking who are thinking of the EMPs in particular? If they're thinking, oh, I can get some deals in there, where do they look for oil to go and then try to jump in because those EMP stocks are pretty much moving with every downward tick of, right. of the oil prices. So should they be looking at like $50 as an area to get in or is it already cheap enough as we've talked about? A lot of them are already hitting 52-week lows. Do they not try to time that? But it seemed, it's been pretty brutal the last couple sessions of you know, in both the energy stocks and in crude prices. So um, do they, what kind of advice do you have? I guess I, I should say. I, I would say uh, there probably could be some more pain uh, in the, uh, in the pipeline for, uh, for, for the commodity. And then as a result for those stocks too, and not necessarily for, uh, for the reason that there is a tangible data point coming in, which will push oil prices in these stocks lower, but sentiment is so weak. Yeah. And uh, this doesn't really shift overnight. So it's possible that prices go down into the low 50s, high 40s. Uh, but unless one is banking on a material slowdown in the global economy, uh, I would expect those prices to uh, to rebound pretty strongly. Okay. So uh, the supply side of the equation uh, uh, with the Iran sanctions, with OPEC tapped out, irrespective of this, the stock of uh, of cuts or not, uh, 
and uh, with the with the, uh, the the pipeline and other constraints out of Permian, uh, there's no significant barrels of oil on the horizon over the next nine to 12 months. So short of the global economy slowing down in a meaningful way, uh, this period of negative sentiment will shift. So in, in, in real terms of an investment advice, uh, uh, to the extent that uh, listeners haven't had energy sector exposure uh, and that they can hold on for the longer term, meaning beyond the next 12, 12 months, uh, then there are plenty of uh, E&P names. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they should be able to pick them up. They're a lot cheaper uh, than they have been uh, over the past six months or, or a year even. Uh, the, the group as a whole, yeah. I believe, is down 20 25% this year. Wow. Uh, so so plenty, of, uh, <laughs> plenty of quality E&P stocks yeah. are, 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 are effectively on sale. That doesn't mean they won't go down some more. Right. Uh, but... If your horizon is longer, uh, then you could pick some of these stocks at a lot better prices uh, than has been the case in the recent past. Maybe dollar cost averaging is sure. is also a good technique to use on some of those right now because yeah. um, then you don't feel so bad if it that's keeps right. going down. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about some stocks because that's what we do every time. Sure. And we are going to revisit some of the ones we have talked about in the past because I've been watching them all this time. Um, on let's talk about big oil just briefly sure. because we do mention it every time. Yes, but they've they've held up pretty good. Yes. I was surprised. I looked to see what Exxon and Chevron, um, how much they were down on the year. Exxon is down only seven on the year, and Chevron's down eight point five. But none of those is is awful. Sure. And then even Occidental's only down three point six. And when you add three and a half four percent dividend right. yields to Chevron and Exxon. Uh, then it's it's not, and that's that's the typical uh, stock market profile of the big oil. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't give you the very strong leverage when oil turns around. Right, uh, and that's the case when oil uh, starts moving down as well. So yeah. the the typical way uh, in terms of volatility pecking order, the Chevron and Exxon's of the world are the least volatile. Uh, are the in relative terms the safest, uh, and, and then you come to the E and P's, yeah. which are the most jumpy, yeah. uh, and then the oil field services and right. the offshore and onshore drilling stocks, they are the most jumpy and the most volatile. So Chevron, I've long been a fan of that that stock. I was just uh, going to ask you that if you're still on yes, the Chevron team. I am. Okay. I, I, I totally am. Uh, the uh, it's. It's relatively less risky, as I mentioned before. Very strong cash flows of the big five, typically in the industry, they call them the super majors. Uh, of the super majors, they have the best production growth profile and a very growthy uh, uh, international portfolio of assets. Um, Exxon is relatively uh, more kind of stayed and, and not as growthy as Chevron is, uh, but a very safe and dependable long-term pick uh, with a good growing dividend uh, on top of that. Yeah. So, yes, the big oil. Okay. Um, uh, if, if, if one wants exposure to oil, 
but don't have the, uh, the, the stomach for the volatility that an ENP or an oil field service uh, will inevitably bring, then perhaps a Chevron is a, is, is a good choice. Okay. And the tickers there, in case you don't know already, are CVX for Chevron and XOM for Exxon. Now, switching over to the EMPs, we've talked many times about Pioneer. That yes. was always one of your big favorites. The ticker there is PXD. This is one of the big, big EMPs. That's right. And they're mainly in the Permian. That's right. So that's why you always liked them and because they always had the good balance sheet too. Yeah, absolutely. So Yeah, I think Pioneer still is a leader uh, in Permian. Uh, they're obviously not uh, small. They're, right. about, I would say, about $25, $30 billion, uh, in market cap. Uh, excellent balance sheet, well-run company, uh, very strong growth profile, uh, and... Uh, uh, I haven't looked at the stock price today. Well, it's uh, down 12.2% so, year-to-date. So I would say uh, that's relatively better than the, the broader group. And yeah. uh, Permian is, is a good region to stay in. That's the, uh, as we mentioned earlier, has become the swing area in the in the global space. Uh, did, did we talk in the past about Diamondback Energy, FANG? We might have one of the times. Okay. But um, it is a, it is a popular name that everybody likes. Yeah. So Fang typically gets mentioned in the context of Facebook, Apple, and Google, right. and those guys. Right. Uh, but Diamondback Energy, uh, a relatively smaller ENP. I would I want to say about ten twelve billion market cap. Uh, it is also Permian focused. Uh, has very strong growth profile. Has good balance sheet as well. Uh, and uh, perhaps it's a little down more uh, than than Pioneer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you require a little more uh, stomach for volatility <laughs> uh, if you have to go. You have to go that route. Okay. So I want to give everybody listening a crazy volatile play. Also in the Permian, it's called Lilis Energy. The ticker is L L E X. Now this is on the more extreme size issue than the ones we were just talking about. It only has 159 million market cap. So that's what you're playing with here. It's been crazy, but it is hitting new lows. It's gone from $5 down to two bucks. So this is one of those. I know everybody loves them. The stock's under five. So, but the insiders have been buying this one and I used to own it in the insider trader, but it was just way too volatile. They bought around the $5 and now it's plunged down every day. It's been going lower and lower as the, as the price of crude has declined. So if you just you're into these, you know, stocks under five dollar type of plays, I'm giving you one here of one of the small ones that a lot of people may not have heard of. Another one I I kind of like that I also used to own in the Insider Trader was called High Point Resources. That ticker is HPR. They're a little larger. They have 863 million market cap, but they're Denver based and they're in the Wattenberg and other Colorado drilling. And that that Wattenberg doesn't get all the glory yes. of the Permian, but the a lot of the companies in in that area are doing really well. Yeah. So the the Wattenberg is a good prospective basin yeah. in the Rockies. Uh, you need a little bit more higher prices for uh, production from that region uh, to become uh, more viable. Uh, but it, it is one of the, uh, the, the emerging oil plays uh, 
yeah. uh, in the U.S. And um, uh, back in the day when oil was a lot higher, uh, Wattenberg was the go-to basin uh, for all growthy companies. So once yeah. oil does turn around, uh, I would expect companies uh, like the one you mentioned, uh, they are in the crosshair for the bigger players when they are trying to acquire acreage and, sure. uh, and assets. One of the issues hitting a lot of those Colorado drillers was the initiative that was on the midterm on the ballot there that was going to restrict the um, like uh, where you could actually drill, okay. like the the distance from okay. like schools or homes and all of that. It was going to re- restrict it so much that there basically would be no drilling is how I understood it. Okay. And so everybody was like, oh, they were all freaked out. This is like the second time they've tried to restrict the drilling in Colorado, but it failed. Okay. So, but now oil is down further. Sure. So, so a lot of these are still... Um, reeling from the midterm possibilities there and now with the lower oil price. But it's something that, you know, investors should be looking around with these ones. Now, switching over a little bit to the services, I've been looking at Schlumberger for a while because it's just down, down, down. Even before oil was falling, even when it was 70, it was down, down, down. It's down 30% year to date now. It is a Zach's number five. I'm assuming those estimates were cut again. Yes. Uh, what What's going on with these? I it's, mean, it's it's been rough. It's, it's a tough it's a tough environment for uh, for for a lot of these guys. Even though uh, in some areas like in Permian, uh, the activity levels uh, have really come back relative to four or five years ago. Uh, but a lot of everywhere else uh, in the U.S also in Canada and offshore and internationally, uh, there's just <laughs> not, not enough activity levels. Yeah. And when you don't have activity levels, uh, then that has a bearing on their prices. Uh, and a lot of the expenses for these uh, companies are fixed. So uh, it comes at the expense then of margins, uh, which suffer uh, for, for for these players, and uh, we saw that in their Q3 results as well. Yeah, uh, we see that in estimate uh, revision trends uh, for a lot of these players too, and they have historically been uh, very volatile. Uh, they uh, they they are they all of oil field services stocks, even though. The Schlumbergers, the Halliburtons, the Baker Hughes, they are the relatively more stable uh, of the uh, service players. uh, But all of them represent uh, high beta, particularly relative to oil prices. So it's a tough tough period for for these guys. Uh, I would say if somebody is looking for relatively better quality name, uh, even though Schlumberger is as good as any, uh, I would say uh, Baker Hughes, uh, which is now they call themselves Baker Hughes, uh, a GE company, yeah. um, uh, and GE is slowly getting into that five dollar range itself. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but Baker Hughes has a lot cleaner balance sheet, uh, a lot stronger cash flows, and. Uh, uh, if I have to do a pecking order of these major diversified oil field service companies, uh, then Baker Hughes, then Halliburton, then Schlumberger. Okay. Uh, uh, in the past, I may have mentioned 
a smaller oil field service company that uh, is focused primarily on the Permian. Yeah. Uh, it's called RPC Inc. The ticker is R-E-S. And uh, I had it in one of the top 10 portfolios a couple of years yeah. back. Uh, uh, and I always presented it as a, as a local smaller cap Halliburton. Okay. So that's a that's that's a good. I'll take a look at that. That's one. a good oil field service stock too. Now I've seen some insiders buying in some of the EMPs recently, not so much in the service side. But I'm going to keep an eye on that because, like I said, some of them, like Schlumberger, is hitting five year sure. lows. <laughs> yeah. You think some insiders might be buying then? But I do like to watch the insider activity. And I've done other podcasts on what they were doing in the energies because they do send signals where they think when it gets overdone, the selling, and then they think it's outrageous and that their stock is cheap and they will dive in there. So that's a way that some people can keep an eye on kind of where the bottom might be. And that's a good area. Um, Is there anything else I'm missing? Any other, any other tidbits? Uh, The, another Potential area in the energy space are these MLPs. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, they are uh, similar to REITs in the in the real estate yeah. market. Uh, the, the problem with MLPs is that in addition to these commodity prices be, being down, these are high-yield instruments. So with fears of interest rates going up, that becomes a headwind. Uh, for, for these players too, but there's plenty of, of, of good quality names in that area too. They are relatively stable. Okay. They give you some exposure to the sector. So if you have to add diversification to the portfolio, they're usually totally uncorrelated with the broader market. So on days when everything is selling off, uh, if you have a few of those or even just a couple uh, you will have something that's green when everything else is red. Okay. Um, and we have enterprise uh, enterprise products, EPD. Uh, it's one of the biggest players, uh, is one of the, uh, the safest uh, in the space too. Uh, and uh, there's plenty of others too, but that's another relatively lower risk way of gaining exposure uh, to the energy space. Okay. Um, energy is basically hated on Wall Street right now. And even on on stock twits, like nobody's talking about it. Nobody cares. This has happened a couple times over the last three years. But is that kind of a sign maybe, too, that we might be seeing the bottom here? I think it's it's become extremely complicated. Okay. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, these stocks uh, and the underlying commodity have been down for an extended period of time. Uh, investors typically don't like things that go down. No, uh, they like <laughs> things that are going up. Yeah. Uh, so, so sentiment is very, very weak. Uh, it is very weak. A, a good contrarian indicator. Okay. Uh, uh, I would say that any diversified portfolio should have some energy sector exposure, uh, depending on one's tolerance for risk. Uh, you could have uh, pick your, uh, your your options from uh, anywhere uh, of the options you discussed with folks. Yeah. Uh, but I believe some exposure is useful. Uh, typically, uh, when I see the portfolios from uh, our customers for uh, 
uh, our monthly webinars, um, they are loaded up with technology stocks. Right. Uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with technology stocks. No. Obviously, they represent a big chunk of the market. They yeah. represent the growth area uh, and exciting uh, new new opportunities uh, for, for, for society as a whole. Uh, but energy has been around. It will be around. It's not going away, uh, even though uh, we may have cars running on this or that. Right, right. Um, and uh, a lot of these are well-run companies that have been around a long time, pay good dividends, and uh, uh, they are they are generally not totally correlated with the broader market as well. Yeah. So yes, they are hated, uh, <laughs> yeah. but they are. Uh, uh, they are useful attributes to portfolio. Yeah. What percentage are they of, of the S&P now? So a lot smaller now, I would say uh, about 5% okay. of the total. Uh, that would have been my guess. Yeah. Historically, they have been as high as 15%, 12%. Mm. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's a wow. long way. It's a long yeah. way from uh, where it has been in the past. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has always been helpful to discuss everything that's going on and a lot is going on right now. And we didn't really make predictions, kind of. You kind of did. You said if you hold for longer than 12 months. Sure, yeah. Okay. I, I would say there's probably still pain Yeah. Uh, because of that sentiment, because of how, uh, how yeah. uncertain everything uh, seems to be. Uh, but from my perspective, I'm not looking for a recession globally yeah. or in the U.S., at least not over the next... 18 to 24 months. Okay. And the supply side of the equation, even with all the optimism about Permian, uh, I don't really see that overwhelming the inventory situation. So overall, I think it's a, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty favorable setup uh, for, uh, for, for commodity and, uh, and as a result for many of these stocks. Okay. Well, let's go over those stocks again in case you missed any of them earlier. I'm just going to kind of read through them here. So we had the super small cap EMP Lillis Energy. That's L-L-E-X. We had the Denver small cap EMP High Point Resources HPR. We also talked about Pioneer. That's one of the bigger EMPs. That's PXD. And another big one, also in the Permian, Diamondback Energy, which is F-A-N-G or FANG. Then we had the big the big oils, uh, Exxon, XOM, Chevron, CVX, and Occidental, but it doesn't have the refining, but it has some other stuff going on, O-X-Y. And then we had some of the services, Schlumberger is SLB, RPC Inc., which is the one that Shiraz mentioned, kind of the secret service one. That ticker is R-E-S. It's always easy to confuse those. I don't know why they didn't go with RPC. Mm -hmm. I, I want to write them and tell them, but it's R-E-S for that one. And um, Baker Hughes, they're owned by GE, right? So that's GE. Um, everybody knows that one. And then on the MLP side, Enterprise Products, which was EPD. Is that everybody? I think that's everybody. Um, that's a lot of stock, a lot of stock tips for this one. 
But as always, there's a lot going on in the oil patch. So we will be covering it here again next year in 2019. Oh, hard to believe it's already it's already coming. That's right. But uh, we will be covering it here. And you want to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Because if you were a subscriber, you would have gotten all of our predictions on the oil market over the last three years. But you can get the Zach's Market Edge on Apple Podcasts. And you can also get us on SoundCloud. So be sure to get us on one of those locations and don't miss a single episode. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks.